every Monday to Friday. This is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning and welcome to Friday, the end of the week. This is Peter Lewis welcoming you to my podcast, Money Talk, for Friday the 3rd of November. This podcast is sponsored by Surfing Group, which is headquartered in Singapore and offers online financial services to 30 million customers across 10 countries. In today's business and finance headlines, the Bank of England left interest rates on hold at a 15-year high of 5.25% and warned that policy will stay tight for an extended period of time. It was the second successive meeting that the UK Central Bank has left rates unchanged after 14 rate rises since December 2021. It warned that the UK economy faces stagnation. The BOE said growth would remain well below historical averages over the medium term and inflation is set to remain more persistent than it previously expected. The Hong Kong Monetary Authority left its base rate at 5.75% on Thursday, the highest level since December 2007, hours after the US Federal Reserve left the Fed funds rate unchanged for the third time this year. Leading local banks, HSBC, Standard Chartered and Bank of China, said they will keep their best lending rates unchanged. Japan's Prime Minister has announced a stimulus package worth more than 17 trillion yen, that's about 113 billion US dollars, in a bid to address higher living costs. Fumio Kishida said on Thursday that about 13 trillion yen of the package will be funded by a supplementary budget for the remainder of the current fiscal year through March 2024. And the package will fund measures to cushion the impact of inflation on households, help firms raise wages and offer support for domestic investment and growth. Investors have poured into US and European government debt after the Fed and other central banks signalled a possible end to the rate rise cycle that's weighed on the bond market for more than a year. The yield on 10-year US Treasuries has tumbled by over 30 basis points in two days. On Wednesday, in the immediate aftermath of the Fed decision, the 10-year yield dropped 19 basis points, the biggest fall since the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank in March, and it fell another 12 basis points yesterday to 4.67%. In October, it reached a 16-year high of 5.02%. On today's programme, I'm joined by Francis Lund, the CEO of Geo Securities, and Frederick Chu, Managing Director of Magnum Research. With a view from South Korea is Peter Kim, Managing Director and Investment Strategist at KB Securities in Seoul. And don't forget to take a look at my website, peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. U.S. stocks surged in a broad rally a day after the Fed kept interest rates on hold and ahead of the U.S. jobs report later today. The S&P 500 jumped 1.9% higher and closed at 4,318 in its best day since April. And it was also the first time the S&P 500 posted back-to-back gains of more than 1% since February. The Dow closed 565 points higher, or 1.7%, to settle at 33,839, its best day since June. The Nasdaq Composite climbed 1.8% and closed at 13,294, marking its best session since July. After the bell, Apple reported fiscal fourth quarter earnings that beat estimates, but the iPhone maker recorded its fourth consecutive quarterly sales decline. Apple reported a 1% fall in revenue from a year before to $89.5 billion as demand for gadgets like Macs and iPads fell. And this had been expecting revenue of $89.2 billion. However, Apple's earnings per share rose 13% to $1.46 thanks to higher margin from services. 
Wall Street have been expecting earnings per share of $1.39. The results suggest that it is facing, though, a sharper slowdown in China than feared. Apple shares fell over 3% in extended trading. Brent crude oil futures rose 2.4% to above 86.65 per barrel on Thursday as risk appetite came back to the markets. Gold prices were just marginally firmer despite the weaker dollar and lower yield environment. Gold climbed 0.2% to $1,986 an ounce. The US dollar index fell below 106 at one stage on Thursday, retreating sharply from one-month highs and tracking a decline in Treasury yields. It ended the session half a percent lower at 106.15 and the dollar's on track for its biggest weekly drop since July. The US dollar held above 150 Japanese yen, ending the day a third of a percent lower at 150.45. In China's onshore markets, the yuan was unchanged at 7.316 renminbi per dollar. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composites rose 0.1% to 3,026. The Shanghai Composites is virtually flat in 2023 so far. Shares in Hong Kong surged after the Hong Kong Monetary Authority maintained its base rate at 5.75%. The Hang Seng Index jumped 206 points higher, or 1.2%, to 17,308. The Hang Seng Index has declined almost 13% this year, making it the worst performer among major global stock indices. And the Hang Seng is projected to open about 144, 140 points higher this morning. That's about 0.8%. Looks like uh, the index is going to start the day around about 17,370. And don't forget, you can get more details on the latest market movements in my daily newsletter at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Peter Lewis's Money Talk. It's Friday. We're happy. Francis Lund is always happy, whatever day of the week it is. <laughs> Welcome, Francis, the CEO of Geo Securities. Yeah, so, good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. And also, the ever happy Frederick Chu is with us, Managing Director at Magnum Research. Good to see you, Frederick. Morning, morning. It's yeah. been a busy week, hasn't it, for central banks? Uh, yeah. Let's go through a few of them. Start with the Fed. That was probably the big one, wasn't it? Left interest rates on hold at a 22 year high. The Fed fund rate is now at a target of between five and a quarter to five and a half. It's been there since July, um, but the Fed did keep open the possibility of additional monetary tightening um, because the US economy still remains pretty strong. And Francis, the markets have taken um, this in quite a dovish way. They've sort of interpreted Jerome Powell's comments as basically signalling we're at the end of the rate hiking cycle. Do you think they're right to do that or is this a, a bit too early to say? Well, actually, it depends on the inflation figures. I think the market believes that uh, the inflation has run its course and, and the Federal Reserve uh, uh, does not have to raise rates to, to combat inflation. But if you have uh, high inflation figures for two months and then oil price spike again, mm-hmm. there may be the Federal Reserve will raise rates again. But uh, right now, uh, people seem content that uh, things will be, will be get, getting better. And, and you see global stock markets surging. Mm. And, and even poor Hong Kong and China <laughs> rose. <laughs> even they managed a, a modest rebound. Yeah, that's right. So, so may, maybe we are seeing the end of the bear market. The 2023 bear market is really uh, suffocating, really. Mm. What, what do you think, Frederick? I mean, I'm 
I'm wondering, you, you could interpret what, Fred, uh, what um, Jerome Bell said in a couple of ways. I mean, on the one hand, he said no decisions have been made about the next um, meeting. Um, and he said that, you know, the bond market was doing some of the tightening for him. But of course, that's unwound a bit now. But then at the other hand, he did say that he wasn't sure that rates were still restrictive enough uh, to bring inflation down. So, you know, if you look at that comment, that suggests we're not there yet. Yeah, I think uh, this meeting has been uh, uh, greatly uh, aligned with the market uh, before it happened. And uh, the, the projection is obviously on the, on the good side of things that, you know, it's, it's going to be the end of, uh, of the of the Ray, uh, uh, Ray Ray cycle. Um, I, I think uh, for, you know, if we want to uh, take a, a wild guess into what December is going to look like, uh, I think two things is quite critical in terms of um, uh, projecting the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the, the way going for, 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 for inflation. Uh, one is the um, the, uh, the labor market, which is the you know the, the wages primarily, it's uh, quite strong in terms mm -hmm. of uh, its growth. That, that's that's one thing. And secondly, is on the consumer confidence, which um, you know the, the past figures uh, of, of last month has been uh, also uh, quite strong. So spending is quite strong, wages are quite strong. So that could put some pressure on the on the on the inflation uh, itself. So I would uh, you know probably think uh, I'm, I'm I'm a bit reserved in terms of what December is going to look like, uh, but then. Uh, um, another indication I think uh, the, the market should have taken is um, the rates. Uh, I mean, cost of funding is going to be remain high, uh, mm. you know, for the next uh, at least two or three quarters, which means that the uh, it's going to hurt the investment uh, sentiment somehow. Are you seeing signs that maybe the U.S. economy finally is starting to, to ease and as a result of all these rate rises? If you look into some of the data, for example, layoffs are increasing, aren't they? We saw that in the jobs in the unemployment data um, last night. I think they were at a four-month high now, and we're hearing of you know layoffs in the financial and the technology um, sector. Do you think that maybe um, we're, we're going to start seeing now the economy slow? Yeah, we've been hearing like the employments within, especially the technology sector, has been uh, has happened already. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, two two quarters before, but it seems like it hasn't really affected the hiring market. I think the uh, primary uh, thing is after COVID, the uh, U.S. labor market is is quite tense. Uh, and uh, if obviously you know we see some slowdowns and we we see some uh, you know cool down in the in the in the in the labor market and the economy, uh, that that would be a um, you know, ironically, that would be a good sign to what the Fed is, is taking taking step of. The thing is, Francis, this is all very volatile, isn't it? Because yeah. um, all we need is a bad inflation uh, <laughs> number at the, at, the, at the next one, or maybe the jobs data tomorrow, um, yeah. later today, and then suddenly this can all unwind very quickly, can't it? That's right. You see, uh, UAW won a 40% average increase uh, from the big three autos, and other uh, 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 unions will demand the same. Mm. And uh, that demands highly inflationary because uh, that puts the uh, hourly wage uh, for auto workers in in U.S. something like sixty six U.S. dollar per hour, uh, not counting pension and everything like that. That is something like ten times higher than the China's. <laughs> so. Uh, I, I think with that kind of uh, labor cost, they are driving the U.S. Uh, uh, auto industry 
to the rocks. Really. Do you think so? Do you think because they're you know they're already on wages? They're not particularly competitive, are they? They're, with the foreign they're absolutely uncompetitive. <laughs> Is this a problem, Frederick, that, you know, we're, we're going to see now wage inflation start to rise? Because the, the, however you look at it, the, the UAW, the Union for the Automakers, it won, didn't it? It won yeah. uh, big time. Yeah, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to put pressure on the cost of the uh, manufacturers. And, um, you know, if, like I say, if the cost funding stay high for the next two, three quarters, uh, you know, that's going to affect a lot of things like financing rate is going to be high. Uh, short-term cash flow is going to have pressure on, on some of the, uh, you know, uh, SMEs. Uh, and then investment return is going to be, uh, it's, it's gonna also, also going to take hit. So mm. eventually... Uh, high cost funding. Even though the U.S. Uh, stopped raising rates, I, I think the uh, the uh, uh, you know high high cost of funding is going to affect uh, the the P and L of the uh, of the of the uh, corporates, and eventually it's going to slow down the, the the economy. But it's just a matter of how long it's going to take. Now, what about here, Francis? The Hong Kong Monetary Authority left its base rate at five and three quarter percent. That's the highest level since December uh, 2007. Maybe what was more important is that the leading local banks, HSBC, Standard Chartered, Bank of China, said they're going to keep their best lending rates unchanged. People have been worried that maybe they might raise um, their um, their rates. The the problem is, though, um, Francis, the economy here, even though um, it did grow um, year on year, it's barely grown growing sequentially it's just mm-hmm. up 0.1% from the last uh, quarter yeah. um, do you think this is going to help at all the fact now that the rates seem to have, have peaked here as well yeah it uh, well it does not uh, exacerbate the problem because uh, last month i think the monetary authority uh, uh, announced that uh, uh, there, there's an increase of uh, something like 10,000 cases of a negative equity in the in the uh, in the mortgage holders, I think uh, if you increase rates further, then then the more more people will fall into the uh, negative equity trap. Like uh, in two thousand and three, I think in two thousand and three, more than one hundred thousand uh, cases of negative equity. Now we are only one tenth of that. Uh, 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 but still, it's, it's a drag on the economy. I think the uh, uh, important thing is that the uh, property market has to go up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, what, what is hurting the market right now is not only the people are going to China to uh, spend their money, and also the property market is still falling, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it doesn't help the uh, uh, consumer sentiment. I think property prices, they're about 15% lower than their peak now, aren't they? Mm. Well, um, people are saying something like 17 to 20. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Mm. Frederick, what do you think here? I mean, obviously, a relief that the HKMA and the, and the banks have left rates unchanged. But really, our, our economy is barely growing, isn't it? isn't it? That's really the problem. Yeah, I think that, that pretty much makes sense. I mean, Hong Kong is in a dilemma whether, you know, you can be following the Fed, obviously, and then your, your economy is closely tied with the... Uh, with mainland China, where mainland China is at the, you know, kind of like a modest interest rate, where type of like a deflation uh, uh, zone. So Hong Kong is really not in the course of, you know, following the U.S. in terms of the uh, the monetary policy. Um, you know, uh, property market. It's it's also one thing apart from you know the uh, affordability, uh, but also. Uh, 
uh, you know the the cash flow of of owning a house uh, for for investment, for instance, it, it's 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 going down uh, substantially after the COVID. So uh, you know, I, I just I just don't think Hong Kong can maintain you know the, such a such a you know any any upside on on, on the rates. Uh, bank deposits is already eating up a lot of uh, you know the investment interest. So uh, if that prolongs, is is it's going to be uh, uh, you know uh, uh, put put more stress on the on the uh, Hang Seng. Okay. Now, the Bank of England, they've also been in action, or maybe they weren't in action because they left rates also unchanged at five and a quarter percent. They warned, though, that policy is going to stay tight for an extended period of time. That's the second meeting now uh, the Bank of England has left uh, rates unchanged. But it warned that the UK economy faces stagnation. The BOE said growth would remain well below historical averages (laughs) over the medium term, and inflation is set to remain more persistent than it previously expected. This is, Francis, this is stagflation, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, uh, I think inflation hit uh, UK really very hard, and uh, especially in in terms of energy prices. And uh, uh, for many families, uh, just heating and food and rent eat up all their income. They don't have anything left. I think that's the problem. People are falling into poverty, (laughs) and wage wage increase has not uh, uh, caught up with inflation and mm. that's why uh, UK cannot afford another rate increase but it really needs it if you look at where inflation is they mm-hmm. really should be raising rates further but at the moment the economy is looking so weak that yeah. they don't dare do they that's right they, it's better to leave rates unchanged because uh, hopefully in, inflation will bottom out mm, it's and pre- ease it's predicting growth to be flat this quarter yep. um, and then only a 0.1% expansion in the final three months of the year. I think, Frederick, the Bank of England's in a bit of a hole, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, winter is coming. Uh, it's going to be tough for, uh, you know, the, the next several months. Uh, I, I think uh, inflation, it's going to be stay there. It's going to stay there uh, for, for a bit longer time. Okay. Well, one other um, central bank we should talk about, the Bank of Japan. It le- it's left um, yeah, its interest rates uh, negative. It's the only central bank in the world now that's still got <laughs> negative interest rates. But it did uh, um, remove the, the upper band of the yield curve control target, which was 1%. I have to say, I'm still confused by what the Bank of Japan is doing here because they've yeah. removed it, but they haven't said now what their target is. So, yeah. you know, is there a level at which they would step in and start buying bonds or is it gone altogether. Uh, it's they don't seem to be clear about what the, now what the target is and what they're going to do. They don't know what they are doing. <laughs> basically, <laughs> I didn't want to say it that, that yeah, way, but yeah. I, I think you when when your ex, uh, uh, exchange rate versus the US dollar is falling into really year low and still falling, I mm. think you have to do something. Uh, to stop that fall in the in the yen exchange rate, but 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 of course the central bank wants uh, more inflation because uh, 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 before this year uh, uh, Japan ha- has no inflation mm. and now they have something inflation rate of two point eight or something like that, so which means uh, uh, it's it's getting to be normal for Japan now. 
But it's the wrong sort of inflation they're getting, isn't it? They're yeah. basically importing inflation, yeah, whereas what they want is some domestic inflation and hopefully driving wages up, but wages aren't going up. So no. people are really uh, fe- feeling the pain here. Um, this is presumably, um, Frederick, again, uh, the, the Bank of Japan sort of got a policy that it would really love to let go, wouldn't it? But it just can't seem to find a way out of it. Yeah, I think they're confused uh, as much as the investors. Uh, you know, if you look at, uh, apart from inflation is finally growing, uh, you got fund flows into the uh, uh, Japan stock market uh, from foreign investors. But other than that, if you look at uh, industrial productions and all other, you know, major economic indices, uh, so, sorry, economic uh, indicators, uh, it, it's not really growing. So all in all, I think Japan is still benefiting from uh, global fund flows uh, rather than that there's a pickup in, in its own economy. Mm. Okay. Well, what about China's economy? We've had plenty of data this week here yeah. as well. It looks like manufacturing, it's slipped back into contraction, hasn't it, Francis? Yeah, it's uh, 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 both a set of data, the official and the Chaising uh, uh, PMI came in at 49.5, which is worse than expected. And uh, 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 back into the contraction mode. That's why the market crashed uh, uh, on Tuesday or something like that. Yeah, and and, and China just does not uh, uh, ca- cannot seem to get its a- 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 actions right to really lift the uh, economy out out of uh, the doldrums mm. because the manufacturing is still way down and uh, it is not like uh, in previous boom years you have. Uh, uh, manufacturing activities uh, rising 10% or more each year. Mm. I think uh, Chinese economy is reaching a mature stage. Then you will have to be satisfied with 3 or 4% growth every year. Mm-hmm. And even services, that's at a 10-month low now as well. Mm-hmm. That's only just above 50, so you know, not yeah. far away from uh, contraction as well. What, what do you make of this data, Frederick? Were you concerned by what we're seeing here? Well, uh, domestic... Domestic demand is just weak. Uh, we 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 seen consumption is weak. Uh, stock market is weak. Basically, uh, the, the people are either stuck in uh, in, a, in 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 a paper loss on 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 the on, on their investments, or you know the other way around. The the property market it's it's not um, giving them any any benefits as well. Uh, so I think. Uh, well, if you take it on the good side, is uh, people's money are still there. Uh, they just they just tend to put it in the bank rather than you know spending it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the spending sentiments it's low, but it doesn't mean that the uh, the 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 money has has evaporated or, or something. Uh, it, it's just they 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 do not have the interest into 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 spending. But now uh, you know China is is moving into you know a cons- uh, uh, you know a consumption e- economy that relies on domestic consumption uh, so it becomes a biggest piece that affect the the, the, the service uh, uh, you know uh, PMI and etc but the consumption in China is nowhere near the levels where as a percentage of GDP that you see in other no countries way. is it is yeah. way way below I mean in America it's uh, That's right. um, you know it's more than two-thirds of, of GDP <laughs> but Whereas what in China it's I think it's about a third isn't it if you mm. if you're lucky yeah but but uh, China has 30 percent uh, savings rate mm. which actually Actually, that cushion uh, the fallout from the, pop, uh, the the property fallout because most people put their money into savings, not into their properties. Otherwise, uh, the economy will be in chaos. Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, 
the, the Kaishin survey in particular it's a bit worrying isn't it because mm. this is the smaller uh, mid-sized enterprises who mm -hmm. are basically 80% of the job creation in China it suggests that they're not going to really invest and, and, and hire more people are they so this is going to have a knock-on effect on jobs and in particular the youth unemployment rate which is already, already at a record high. Uh, we have to recall the uh, our, our ex uh, premier Li Keqiang <laughs> and, and and call the uh, what what do you call the roadside economy. Let let people uh, start their own small business and uh, uh, get make some money because most be most Chinese people are still quite poor. Mm. Uh, of course, the official uh, news channel ne will never admit to it, and uh, but 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 that that is a fact. And if, if the state-owned enterprises and if the uh, uh, privately-owned manufacturers and exporters are doing well, then you have to find some way to boost the economy. Mm. Frederick, what, what's the way out of this? Uh, it, it's it's tough because the SMEs or or, or, or small, small 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 enterprises in China uh, has been facing uh, a problem about about uh, borrowing financing um, ever since. So it, it's, it's it has never been resolved. Uh, you know, funding just cannot come down to this this piece of of, uh, of population. Uh, so running a business really depending on how quick the turnover will be. Uh, if demand is strong, then you got more uh, you know product turnaround. Then you're going to be it's, it's going to be sustaining. But otherwise, if demand is weak, then you're going to be uh, you know stuck in a in a, in a uh, you know uh, sh uh, uh, sh uh, some short-term cash flow uh, pressure which is right now what's really uh, what we are really seeing um, the state it's difficult at this moment uh, in terms of in terms of uh, helping this sector because first of all you can have a loosened uh, monetary uh, policy at the moment because you know in uh, anywhere outside of, of China uh, has has been having a, a you know a, a high interest rate so you want to limit the the, the yield difference uh, at at the moment, mm -hmm. and secondly, uh, the the debt problem in uh, China within central level or local government level, uh, it, it's up to uh, you know somewhere that that is really need to deal with. I mean, our, our debt to GDP is over two hundred percent, which is you know quite substantial, and the local government. Uh, uh, financing problem is, is also, you know, uh, another thing that that's the central government is worrying. So I, I think it's it's really not there for 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 the Chinese government to do anything until uh, I think when U.S. has a very confirmed view that you know interest rate has capped, and now we are looking into you know a roadmap for. Uh, a potentially, you know, rate decrease, then I think that that would be the time when China is more confident into into uh, doing doing something more. On the local debt issue, we had this uh, twice a decade Central Financial Work Conference um, earlier this week, which is setting basically the financial oversight for the next five years. But at it, uh, they said they're going to come up with a long term mechanism to resolve local government debt and expand <laughs> borrowing at the central government level. But they didn't say what exactly they were going to do. So uh, how how is this going to be resolved? Well, uh, they always uh, insist on that the local governments will raise their own bonds, uh, because I, I I believe I came came across a figure of something like uh, how 
a million, uh, 10 trillion uh, yuan in debt for the local government. Mm. That is really quite a lot. Or hundred trillion. I, I I don't know. I think it's hundred trillion. So 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 it's almost as large as the uh, national economy, the GDP. So the uh, I I think the central government will be unable to underwrite it uh, all by itself year after year, because all thirty two uh, uh, provinces and uh, cities. Uh, uh, have budget deficits, so th they have to finance their own. But they can't, they can't raise any more debts, can if they? they? If they can't raise any more debts, then they fire people, <laughs> like what they do in Argentina. <laughs> mm. So th this is, um, I'm wondering, uh, Frederick, what they mean by, by resolve. Um, at the moment, there are losses, very big losses that uh, the local governments are sitting on. Those losses aren't just going to disappear. So who's going to bear these losses? Is, is it going to be the central government? Is it the local governments? Is it going to be a mixture? Is it going to be the banks? Who? Where exactly will these losses end up? Well, if you say it's banks, it's going to bail out them, which means they're going to be the SOE banks, which then it means it's going to be the central government, which mm. is, I think is the easier way. I think for the uh, 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 you know financial working group, uh, what they are looking at, it's beyond one single problem. Because right now, because of the property uh, crackdown, we're seeing multiple problems uh, that coming from you know the property development down to local governments, and then down to the financial sectors where the rep products are being sold to you know individual investors, and where the individual investors are not redeeming back their investments. So it's a chain of things mm -hmm. that's been caused by the property crackdown. So there's a bigger problem that the uh, central government needs to look into, mm -hmm. and then it also comes down to you know a more politically concerning how the actual financial system in China is working. You have a mega, uh, you know, uh, regulators now that sit beyond CIR, uh, you know, CIRC, <laughs> yeah. CSRC, and CBRC, and what this group of people, which are uh, not necessarily financial experts, um, when they are, you know, when you when you have them to, um, you know, monitor the, the financial system, what sort of things there is that... that <laughs> what are they good, is it a good idea, do you think, to have a super regulator like this, <laughs> or is it... Um, well, they, they have to install some discipline, financial discipline on the local governments. They, ha they, have, they haven't had any financial discipline for mm. 50 years. But they're also sort of you know it, it's moving away from a market orientated mm -hmm. well even more from mm -hmm. a market orientated economy isn't it because this super regulator is even going to decide who can mm -hmm. IPO in, in effect I mean yep. we're seeing it at the moment on, in Shanghai lots of companies are just failing um, you know all these rules and, and can't IPO so rather than the market deciding you know yeah. this is a good company and it can IPO and this is the value these regulators seem to be deciding it which is the worst way to do it isn't it yeah that's right that's a problem that uh, the central government now, now wants to get the hand into everything and anything uh, and look at the, the crackdown on the big tax and there, there, there was a disaster <laughs> Well, that's the thing. When when they do look into it, they seem to get it wrong. They seem to come uh -huh. up with the wrong policy at yeah. the, the wrong time. Like the three red lines, it mm -hmm. was a nice idea, but the problem was uh, the horse had already bolted. You know, the, the property mm -hmm. developers had already loaded themselves up to the gills with debt, so it was too late mm -hmm. uh, to come up with these three red, li red lines to stop them uh, mm -hmm. becoming unencumbered uh, with debt. Yeah. All too late. I think if we take a step back um, and if you look at the current regime, uh the 
the main attention is what has been created by a market-oriented、uh, economic structure、uh, for the past ten, twenty years or, or, or beyond, and they're going to fix it now. So fixing it means,、uh, for instance, the local government、uh, has been expanding, you know,、uh, development projects on infrastructure, real estate, etc. That that causes uh, the uh, the high debt level, and that that's market oriented somehow. Yes, you you say it's less of discipline, but it's market oriented. But now because of the less of discipline, we're going to stop that. We're going to rectify that, which means that now you have to stop. So the stopping period. It's、mm-hmm. gonna be most suffering、mm-hmm. until it's it's kind of like a, you you see the 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 light of fixing and it's gonna weigh on economic growth, isn't it? Absolutely, yes.、Mm-hmm. And the current regime will not be concerned by the short term,、uh, you know, crash on the on the on the economy. But you know, one thing that most matters is is to fix it. Right. Okay. Now let's finish up on the markets.、Um, here、yeah. in Hong Kong, we did get a bit of a rally yesterday, but、yeah. everyone, everything was rallying. There was a big risk-on move yesterday. Bond yields fell.、Uh, stocks went up. We had a huge rally on the Nasdaq overnight. Nevertheless, the Hang Seng, despite that,、uh, it's down 13% this year. It's the worst performer <laughs> among global stock indices. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composite,、um, it's basically flat for the year. It's gone,、mm-hmm. gone nowhere.、Um, Any sign of the pain being over, Francis, for us? Well, uh, at least uh, people are much more optimistic right now. I- even though the turnover is quite low, it's still seventy-one billion uh, uh, dollars. But、uh, at, at least you have some uh, sectors uh, doing well, like the electric car sector. Uh, Xiaopang and、uh, Li Auto, they are doing well, and 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 even the big techs like Alibaba and、uh, Tencent rose a little bit.、Uh, of course, the the banks are not doing so well, but overall, I I I think it's opt- m- much more optimistic market than last week. So you think the low is in? Uh, well, uh, I think、uh, I think last week we fell below seventeen thousand、mm. momentarily. I think that should be the low for the year. Okay, are you optimistic, Frederick?、Uh, I kind of agree with、uh, Francis on 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 the low, but I'm not necessarily optimistic. I think uh, the um, Hansen it's going to be it's still on a clear downtrend. Where、uh, you know on the on the on the on the upside, you know、uh, the fifteen day moving average is is quite、uh, resisting,、uh, but on the downs,、uh, it's, it's you know、uh, somewhere around one one sixty eight, one sixty nine is probably going to be the low.、Um, the A shares, it's、um, the Shanghai Composite. I mean, it's 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 on a ten year. Uh, support a、uh, trendline support at at the moment. That's caught. That I think that's why causes the the the, the rebound.、Um, and 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 I, I I don't see a substantial you know、uh, upticks on on the on the on the stock market. But、um, you know that that would be somewhere uh, t- uh, you know twenty eight thousand twenty nine thousand would also be the low for this year.、Hopefully. Is is there a catalyst that we need to see that's really going to get a sustainable rebound going? You know, it's all very well not going much below seventeen <laughs> thousand, but We'd like to see a bit more than that, wouldn't we? What, what could a catalyst be?、Uh, I, I think I think we are waiting for the Chinese economy to really grow, 
at uh, more than five percent a year. We are not talking about ten or eight percent. I think we are only uh, I think about five, more than five percent a year. If they have recovery in that, uh, they especially the recovery of the big techs like uh, Alibaba and Tencent. Mm. I think we we can have a, a sustained uh, market rally. I think uh, for Hong Kong, when the uh, fixed deposit rate comes down or is coming down, then the stock market will come back. Okay. Well, thank you both very much. Yeah. Have a great weekend. You heard there Frederick Chu, who's Managing Director at Magnum Research. Francis Lun, who is the CEO of Geo Securities. <laughs> I'm joined now by Peter Kim, who is Managing Director and Investment Strategist at KB Securities over in Seoul, South Korea. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Peter. Uh, let's kick off talking about um, the markets. What I wanted to look at is some of the best performing and worst performing um, assets so far in 2023. Um, now, if I look at the data, the two best performing stock markets um, in the world are, first of all, Russia, uh, which is up over 50% now uh, for the first half of the year, and Greece, uh, which is up over 30%. But in third place, the one I want to talk about, the NASDAQ. Um, it's had a bit of a rebound in the last few days. It's up 27% now um, so far this year. Looks like the uh, the Magnificent Seven are staging a bit of a comeback. That's right. Um, well, I think that first of all, the uh, uh, Russia outperforming everything else by far, um, I guess is, that needs to be addressed. Um, obviously, the previous year, they had a horrible year. So, it's been a one hell of a, uh, a beta bounce, hasn't it? Mm. Um, and I think it's type of the world that we live in that uh, geopolitical risk linking to fundamentals, um, are the, the correlations that you would normally expect um, is uh, not working. And I think yeah. that cuts across different asset classes as well as countries. As far as NASDAQ goes, uh, I do think that, uh, as you mentioned already, the, uh, the, the few stocks... Uh, overwhelming uh, the fund flows. Uh, and I think uh, that links to uh, what we discussed our previous segment, which is that the retail investors dominating uh, the fund flows over the traditional institutional money. And I think that, uh, as we mentioned, I think it's a trend that probably uh, uh, will persist for, for a while. Uh, and I do think that uh, uh, investors uh, uh, should practice caution uh, uh, in calling the reversal of that. Mm. And I thought also the other thing you have to be careful about, I suppose, if you invest in markets like Greece or Russia, uh, the currency risk, you better go and hedge your currency because um, otherwise you, you reduce quite a lot of that gain. Well, that's uh, uh, currency is come and go. <laughs> mm. uh, so on the way down, you lose a lot more, but on the way up, it's... Uh, 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 it's uh, very, very gratifying. So, um, again, um, you know, for institutional money, uh, that is a risk for retail investors. They consider it as an added attraction, right? So uh, you see some of the popularity of the, you know, leveraged ETFs now um, that's uh, so popular. And I think that just goes to uh, the, well, I don't know if it's positive, but uh, the, the retail money investing like it's uh, partially uh, gambling, partially <laughs> online gaming. It is, isn't it, for these retail investors, I think. When you look at some of the stocks that they're, they're buying, they're, they're sort of buying the, uh, the, uh, the meme stocks, aren't they? Yeah, that's right, including uh, my three daughters. 
<laughs> yes. And now the other big market this year um, that's uh, in fourth place at the moment, the Nikkei, up 22.4% so far this year. I think we can thank the Bank of Japan for that, can't we? Um, yes, partially, but also uh, I think there is something a little more fundamental going on there. Um, if you look at uh, uh, Japan over the past 30 years, uh, the big big drag on the economy was the property market. Mm. Uh, property prices declining for uh, over 20 years in a row. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's why they call it the balance sheet recession, right? Mm. But uh, uh, property prices started to rise from about three years ago. Uh, and uh, and uh, in a world where uh, the, uh, inflation is considered bad now, for Japan, it's definitely positive. Uh, and the wealth effect that's feeding into the economy certainly uh, has put a, uh, a t- good tailwind onto the BOJ's policies. And also it's got some, um, some help, hasn't it, in terms of these corporate reforms that are going on to try and um, get uh, Japanese companies to improve their returns to investors. There, there's going to be this name and shameless now for companies that have a book value uh, below one. Presumably that's helping as well, and, and particularly foreign investors like what they're seeing there. Definitely. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, whereas... Japan had to deal with triple whammy of uh, strong currency, uh, falling property market, and bad corporate governance. Mm-hmm. All three has reversed. Uh, not in a spectacular way, just the fact that they've aligned together in a positive direction, I think is very powerful. Uh, and I think, uh, and I would add a third, fourth one to that, actually, is that uh, um, from a fund for a perspective, uh, the, the, the major source of uh, investments or destination has been China. And clearly, from my perspective, I see clients looking for alternatives outside of China. Mm-hmm. And Japan has sort of aligned its uh, uh, policies right at the right time at the right place. I mean, we've, we've had over the last 30 years in Japan a lot of false dawns in the stock markets, haven't we? But do you think this is the real deal now? Uh, well, I think uh, it's certainly going in the right direction. I'm not sure whether uh, it's going to sustain for 10 years versus uh, uh, a couple of years, but um, I do think that Japan has bottomed, uh, and I think uh, uh, it's doing the right thing by its policies. But investors may be a little uh, uh, disappointed if they expect Japan to come in a big, spectacular uh, uh, structural story because Japan's still move very slowly. Mm. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think culturally that has changed. But as I said, I think the, uh, the three big negatives turning into a, a positive, uh, I think it's uh, enough for investors to start getting interested because um, I don't know of uh, many investors who are overweight Japan, even now. So I think there's a lot of dry powder that could come in. Well, we look related to Japan. If we go to the bottom of the list and look at what the worst performing assets are so far in 2023, the worst, the worst performing asset this year is uh, the Japanese yen, uh, down 15% so far um, against the dollar. Now, this, um, even despite the uh, the Bank of Japan um, trying to ease a little bit its yield curve control policy, the, the yen sort of given it a big thumbs down. Um, right. Uh, so that's a double-edged sword, right, uh, for foreign investors uh, who are judged by 
uh, uh, US dollar terms, uh, it is a, a drag. Uh, but I think uh, uh, over the longer term, uh, the currency should uh, uh, play uh, in favor of its companies or so exporters. Uh, and uh, that should provide a lot more longevity uh, in terms of export cycle. Uh, but having said that, of course, um, uh, Japan's yen has been weaker than most currencies, but uh, we're living in a world where the U.S. dollar is stronger than everyone else anyway. Uh, so I think it's probably not as worrisome because normally if you had dollar stable and yen weaken, I'm certain there'll be economists coming out for the impending doom of the <laughs> uh, Japanese economy. But uh, we're, not, we're not in that situation yet. Do you think that the Bank of Japan, though, it seems to have got itself into a bit of a hole at the moment, doesn't it? I, I'm still trying to work out what exactly they did um, this week because um, they didn't say anymore what their new target is um, or the, the upper band of their yield curve yeah. control policy. So it's not at all clear if there is still a yield curve control policy, is there? Uh, POJ always works slowly and they, and they tread uh, very, very cautiously in everything they do mm. uh, to give themselves the back door to reverse it uh, if uh, things work against them. So, and after doing that for 20, 30 years, again, one of those things that I mentioned earlier is that uh, they don't, uh, don't, don't expect Japanese to change their colors uh, just because a uh, few things have, uh, uh, are starting to work in their favor. Um, and I, I do think that uh, they are being prudent over the longer term, that, uh, you know, their intervention in their uh, bond market, the, the fact that the government has been the, the player by far, uh, they're trying to retract from that. Uh, they may, Maybe they're even looking at some uh, fiscal prudence to try to, uh, you know, cut back on the fiscal uh, balance. Um, you know, over the longer term, I've never, never felt that the, Japanese policymakers lost sight of their long-term objective. It's just that they were cornered in under so many pressures uh, that uh, they had really not many options. But with this uh, recent uh, uh, involvement, they do have a few more options starting to become available. Uh, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what pace that they do try to uh, push out uh, something that's a little more market-driven rather than government-driven. Okay, now the second worst performing assets of the year so far, Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index, um, and it's the worst performing equity uh, market in the world. It's down basically 13% so far um, this year. What, what has gone wrong for Hong Kong stocks? Well, I think you know more than I do. Um, the beginning of the year, um, a, a layup, a sure thing uh, investment uh, call was that with the easing of COVID restriction, that China was going to come bouncing back. Mm. Uh, and that was uh, very, very short-lived. Uh, I think uh, underestimating the, uh, the changes in the political stance during the lockdown has uh, been a lot more uh, uh, deep uh, 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 in its uh, impact. Uh, and I think uh, we're starting to see, the, uh, see that sentiment reflected in the market. Mm. Um, and I think uh, uh, I don't think uh, a simple artificial economic policies will be enough to reverse that. I think you really need uh, um, something on the more uh, political uh, direction. 
uh, in order to uh, appease the uh, worried investors. And mainland stocks are also near the bottom of the list. The Shanghai Composite, it's down 2.6% so far this year. The Chinese Yuan, uh, down over 6% uh, so far this year, presumably for the same reasons as, as for Hong Kong. Yeah, well, if you invest, global investors are concerned, uh, I think it's interesting that the uh, mainland uh, investors and consumers also feel the same way, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, and uh, I think that's sort of that's a message that uh, clearly is felt by by a lot of the key policymakers. But obviously, we, they had the big boss over there um, who uh, who uh, you know uh, needs uh, convincing. So I I, I think that uh, uh, Chinese uh, Chinese policymakers are uh, still very much connected to the market, understand the message that the market is sending. Uh, I think that they need to sort of maybe recalibrate the political uh, goals with that of the economic and to try to have those two gel again that they used to do so well before. And finally, one other asset class I wanted to ask you about, treasury bonds. Um, Treasury bonds down for the third year in a row now. It's the worst bear market in history since the founding uh, of the United States. The 10-year yield uh, so far this year um, has surged 80 basis points. It was up even more uh, than that uh, a week or so. Um, ago, and obviously the Fed um, um, helping here. I mean, in terms of the bear market that we're seeing in uh, in Treasuries, although the last couple of days or so, there has been a bit of an unwind in that, hasn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I think uh, the FOMC have been pretty consistent in calling for uh, stick to for longer view. But I think uh, middle of this year, the market decided to call uh, uh, in a bluff uh, by thinking that there's going to be an earlier cut. Uh, so in this case, I'd have to blame the market watchers. And, you know, admittedly, uh, you know, uh, FOMC have uh, sent out a couple of uh, wrong signals over the past two years. So maybe it was uh, in their minds uh, expected uh, that uh, they will do it again. But I think... Uh, uh, I've uh, stuck by my view that this current inflation uh, will be sticky, uh, that uh, in a world where you have geopolitical risk rising, you have uh, reversal of uh, deglobalization, protectionism going up, and China disengaging from the world, um, you know, that has to feed into inflation. And mm-hmm. that, uh, uh, you know, we cannot just use the uh, easy tool of uh, previous couple of decades of just simply cutting at the first signs of trouble. So um, I think uh, well, uh, the, the mar- bond market and equity market is now perhaps for the first time bracing for a new world of uh, persistently high. And it's, you know, to be honest, 3 4% is not high, by the way. I think it's probably an appropriate level for financial markets to properly function and do its thing in uh, providing fiscal discipline. So um, I'm a bit of an old traditionalist. Uh, I think uh, 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 that's not necessarily bad, uh, seeing uh, 3 4% interest rate uh, for many years. Peter, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for taking us through that. That's Peter Kim. Thank you who is Managing Director and Investment Strategist at KB Securities in Seoul. You're listening to Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. 
Thank you very much for listening this morning and this week. Don't forget to take a look at my daily newsletter, which you'll find at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. I'll have more business and finance updates for you on Monday. Joining me then are Alex Wong, Director at Alex KY Wong Asset Management, and Tim Huxley, Chairman of Mandarin Shipping and providing a view from mainland China, will be NM Wu, the Chairman and CEO of Surfing Group. Have a great weekend. Money Talk 